This is Tasting Room Radio. I'm Terry David Mulligan. All the really good tasting rooms seem to start with an invitation because it means that you're not knocking on somebody's door asking to come in. It means they have invited you in to tell the story. This is a beautiful one. This one took place in Central Saanich this week. It's called Every Chef Needs a Farmer. Every Farmer Needs a Chef. It's the third annual. And it's the idea of Lana Popham, who was a farmer and is now the Minister of Agriculture and Food. There were representatives of BC's restaurant industry, Ian Tosteson. They talked about selling food to our city, small-scale, diversified organic farming, led by Sean Dirksen, owner of North Star Organics. Ned Bell was the host and moderator, and he led a panel with Fatima De Silva, the owner of Nourish. Jared Williams, Indigenous food chef, award-winning writer and storyteller. Chris Hammer, the chef at Mustard Seed in Victoria and president of the Island Chefs Collaborative. Ken Nakaomo, the executive chef at Laurel Point Inn. Rob, call me Robert Belcham, Chef's Table Society, chef and owner of Papina. Paul Hadfield, the owner and publican at Spinnaker's in Esquimalt. I am, of course, one guy with one microphone <laughs> with the help of Corey Wood. And we wrangled as many people as we could to the microphone. Do enjoy this conversation. It's a, We're actually part of the story. We, the customers, the food eaters, food shoppers, the chef fans. It's all one big pot, so to speak, on simmer. Please enjoy. Every chef needs a farmer. Every farmer needs a chef. Congratulations by BC. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. There's a new chef at the Unsworth Bistro. He's Dan Bain. Come and meet the chef and his culinary talents. And at the same time, you might want to shop for some bubble. Charme de Lille and Charme de Lille Rosé is available in the tasting room. And if you're gifting over the next little while, consider picking up an Unsworth gift card. They can be used at the restaurant, the tasting room, and the wine shop. They're convenient, and best of all, they're reloadable. You can find all the details at unsworthvineyards.com. Uh, we start these uh, discussions, as we should start these discussions, with Ned Bell, uh, chef, co-owner, uh, uh, friend uh, at uh, Naramata Inn, and Eliza, the wine bar. But I find him at Church and State in Central Saanich in a completely different role. What is it today? Well, yeah, really excited to be here uh, in, in Saanich for, uh, for our third annual Every Chef Needs a Farmer, Every Farmer Needs a Chef event, brought to you by the by BC program through the Minister and Ministry of Agriculture. That's what it says on the page. What does it really mean? How did you, how did you come to this? Great question. Um, so what does it mean? Well, as you and I both know, we've known some incredible chefs in our in our history over the last number of decades who have been committed to, you know, hyper-local, hyper-seasonal uh, procurement of their foodstuffs. So whether it's farmed ingredients, whether it's, you know, fished ingredients, you know, uh, chefs like Andrea Carlson, chefs like Rob Clark, chefs like Rob Belcham, chefs like, you know, Rob Feeney even back in the day and, and you know, many uh, prior to that who inspired John us. Bishop. John Bishop, absolutely. How could I forget? Um, who inspired you know the current generation and the generation previously and hopefully generations to come around the importance of you know choosing um, ingredients from British Columbia um, you know made processed farmed uh, you know uh, harvested um, you know 
delicious things that, that our incredible bounty gives us. And so I am here um, as the chef ambassador. I've been working with the Minister of Agriculture, Lana Popham, for years and years on, on the seafood file. And so, you know, I was the keynote speaker for Every Chef Needs a Farmer in 2019. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and sort of delayed everything. So here we are for the third annual in 2022. Now, here's the thing. As if you've gone into any, I don't know how many stores you go into, because I know that the produce comes to you in, in, in many respects. If you go into, uh, I won't name stores, but you go into a store, I, I, I don't know how many British Columbians are actually even looking at where their food is coming from. They're just looking at a price point. It's something they need for a certain recipe, and off they go. Uh, same thing applies, by the way, to the wines. Uh, some people are just buying wines in a box. They, it's a price point. It's, it's an, is it an uphill battle to get people to think about buying BC, buying local, uh, buying sustainable? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, that is an incredibly complex question to answer because, of course, we are fortunate in British Columbia and in Canada to have cuisine and culture and flavors from all over the world and and aren't we lucky because that's what makes our you know our lives delicious um you know when you live in british columbia you do have a, a really unparalleled access to incredible tree fruits uh you know uh, obviously viticulture obviously seafood obviously you know animals that are grown for our consumption and the list is long there is dozens and dozens and dozens of things that are grown here that often are consumed here and often aren't. And, you know, I mean, I used to call my food globally inspired and locally created. And I love the fact that I had Asian and South Asian flavors. And I love the fact that I could sort of marry that with, you know, local fish and seafood and local, you know, I mean, gosh, blueberries, cranberries, turkeys, ducks, chickens, beef, pigs, you know, it's, it's sort of this bounty, this bread basket that exists here in Cowichan, here in Saanich, here all over the island, here in the Fraser Valley, here in the Okanagan Valley, here in the Nicola Valley, like up north. I mean, it's sort of amazing how fortunate we are to live in this province and have all these things. But you're right, we don't often choose those ingredients when we go to the grocery store. And it's our job through BBC and through chefs and cooks like me to really highlight these farmers because if we don't, these farmers are going to disappear because their livelihoods will not be, um, you know, uh, supported. That's my first question to one of the farm or some of the farmers as I see them today is, how goes farming? How it, you know, you're talking about regenerative, talking about putting back into the land what what you take out. That's a full time job. That's that's just beyond the farming and the harvest. And your uh, your um, uh, talk today yeah. is the future of food, sustainable, indigenous farmed and wild um that's a lot of ground to cover it is and, and i get in an hour we're not going we're just going to be able to briefly touch on some of those things but i i did want to try and encapsulate the conversations that we're having in our kitchens right now which is what are the wild ingredients that we still get to harvest and still get access to? What are the farmed ingredients that we maybe have mis misconceptions about? And what are the farmed ingredients that we celebrate? What are the ingredients that are indigenous that are finding their ways into our kitchens? You know, what does sustainability actually mean? And, you know, through my work with Sustainable Seafood for 15 years, 
I, I do understand that that's complicated. You know, these conversations are complicated. Um, chefs uh, often um, aren't in control of the ingredients that they're told to bring into their kitchens, which is, sounds funny, but it's true. Um, you know, you work for some of the bigger brands. You're often, you know, those purchasing uh, deals and arrangements and, and ingredient procurement is done, you know, outside of your office and sort of you're told, here's the chicken, here's the French fry, here's the here's the apple and sort of go make something with it, you know, and, and your point is well taken about grocery stores. I mean, you walk into a grocery store, you know, they're abundant. Uh, they're from all over the world. And, and I'm not against global flavors in any way, shape or form, but we are creatures of habit in North America. We basically, when we go shopping, we buy the same things. We, we eat the same things. And so it's, I think, small steps that we can take as consumers. And those consumers are being inspired by cooks and chefs. And chefs are being inspired by farmers and what they're growing. So it's this sort of system, this thread that I think we need to really highlight and celebrate. To take advantage of what John Bishop started 40 years ago. To take advantage of, not take advantage of, to highlight what John Bishop started. And then inspired chefs like Michael Allemeyer or Andrea Carlson. I mean, she's still at the top of the mountain. And, you know, because she's doing it the right way. Now, she has a small business. That small business is thriving. It's being highlighted internationally. But it is not easy to be, you know, at my own business, Naramata Inn, to be hyper-local, hyper-seasonal. It's expensive. It, you know, I, I get challenged by media constantly when they come to my restaurant in June and they'll say, why are we still eating winter vegetables? And I'm like, have you seen outside? There's nothing growing right now. Yes, it's June and you're used to in Vancouver having asparagus and peas and all the other things, but those things aren't ready yet. And so they're not going to be on our menu in Naramata until they're ready in Naramata. And so I think it's a misconception of what spring, summer, fall, winter means in the food system. And I think that, you know, we as chefs just need to continually put delicious things on the plate, but really educate the people that we're feeding around how to make the best choices when they're going to their own grocery stores. Ned Bell, by the way, at uh, Naramata Inn. One of the uh, speakers here this morning, uh, Ian Tostenson, president and CEO of BC Restaurant and Food Services Association, who speaks on behalf of the restaurants. They had enough of a problem just surviving COVID, as you well know. Some had to close. Some never got opened again. How, I'm going to ask him about this state of how do you feel restaurants are recovering? I think that some restaurants, um, mine included, had a, an impossibly difficult time through COVID financially. You know, we, we thrived and survived in the ways that we were able to, and many restaurants had to, you know, chart their own path through that. Unprecedented. I mean, you know, uh, would I wish COVID on anybody? No, of course not. Um, it was it was very painful financially. It was very painful personally. It was very painful professionally for our peers that we work shoulder to shoulder with because nobody was making any money. If I'm not making money, my servers aren't making money, my cooks aren't making money, you know, and, and I think the reality is that many restaurants w will never recover. Um, restaurants and the hospitality business is precarious, but it is so necessary. It is a gathering place for delicious in our communities. It tells stories of our place. It has a taste of place. And, you know, yes, it is a business, but, I mean, my profits are razor thin. They always will be razor thin. They always have been razor thin. So I'm not in this to become a multimillionaire. I'm in this because I care about the place. Or when I was with Four Seasons, I cared about sustainable seafood. In Naramata, I care about the community in the south, um, uh, the, the so southern Okanagan. And I think as we continue to move forward, 
we need to celebrate local ingredients, but also highlight you know, like for like. I mean, you know, Emily Walker's wine list at Naramata Inn is all about Rieslings from, you know, the Okanagan against Rieslings from Alsace or Germany or where have you. I mean, and that's kind of the fun bit that we get to, you know, I mean, when you live in the Okanagan, the locals like to drink international because they drink enough, uh, enough local and the, and the international tourists love to drink local. So it's a good mix. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. There's a new chef at the Unsworth Bistro. He's Dan Bain. Come and meet the chef and his culinary talents. And at the same time, you might want to shop for some bubble. Charme de Lille and Charme de Lille Rosé is available in the tasting room. And if you're gifting over the next little while, consider picking up an Unsworth gift card that can be used at the restaurant, the tasting room, and the wine shop. They're convenient, and best of all, they're reloadable. You can find all the details at unsworthvineyards.com. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery. On the Naramata bench, here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales, on the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots. And my favorite the 2019 Founders Block Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. Ned Bell, uh, chef, co-owner uh, at uh, Naramata Inn. I'm going to talk to some of your friends. Uh, Rob Belcham, Chef's Table Society. What are they doing? Well, Chef's Table Society continues to be industry leaders around some of the events that they're hosting. Cook's Camp that they just hosted. Yeah. Um, up at North Arm Farm, which was a huge success for them after years of, uh, of, of working really, really hard to pull that together. Chef's Table Society is building this incredible culinary library that they're still trying to f- raise funds for that will be this real gathering place in Vancouver for conversation around you know cuisine, culture, food, hospitality, drink, etc. And so I'm excited to, to support them in that. I want to ask you about Chris Hammer, uh, the chef at Mustard Seed Victoria. He's the president of the Island Chefs Collaborative. But Mustard Seed, trying to feed people who can't feed themselves. That's right. That's right. Well, we, I mean, you know, I'm a fancy chef in a white jacket. But at the end of the day, I'm just a cook. I'm just cooking food. And, you know, chefs like Chris are the same as me. He just has chosen a path where he gets to give back to the people that need it the most. And, you know, Fatima Da Silva, who's coming today from um, from Nourish uh, Couch, and she does something similar for, for young kids in need in elementary schools around Couch and Valley that can't feed themselves or don't come to school with enough food in their lunches. I mean, you know, food is this this connector of society. And I think whether it's farmers that you drive by in your every day because we kind of do in bc we drive by farms constantly family run farms of whatever size they may be but you know what we go to the grocery store and we choose the apple from somewhere else we choose the banana from somewhere else we choose the tropical fruit from somewhere else now don't you know we don't need to have the conversation around the fact that those were you know grown and harvested by families too they were but i want i want us to eat with the seasons here in bc when you eat with the seasons you eat strawberries when they're in season you eat peaches when they're in season you eat apricots and raspberries when they're in season and when they're not you choose other things that might be grown here i think you learned that from your time with fisheries and the whole fishing industry and saying 
Well, sure, anybody can eat a lobster, but go and find something else. Absolutely, I did. Absolutely. You eat with the season. You eat with Mother Nature. I mean, how fortunate are we? It, it creates diversity in your diet without even you having to do much other than just eating with the season. And takes the heat off the stars. That's right. That's right. I mean, we're creatures of habit when it comes to the seafood that we consume. We eat the four species of fish. We kind of do the same thing when we go to the grocery store, as I said. And one of the tricks I have is I, I leave a, a blank line at the bottom of my grocery list and I force myself to fill it with things I've never bought before just because it makes me cook with rutabaga or it makes me cook with parsnips or it makes me cook with celery root or you know some random squash you've never heard of that's incredibly delicious. Uh, lastly, Jared Williams uh, is speaking on behalf of Indigenous Foods. It, it seems to be a, a pat, it, it's part of their heritage. It's, it's, they looked at well after themselves before any of us came along and so food and Indigenous life uh, seems to be hand in hand. Oh, well, I mean, certainly, uh, what can I say about First Nations and Indigenous culture? They've been here for 15,000 years, long before we have. What I know for sure is that I have a ton to learn from chefs like Jared. I'm honored he's here today. We could have had dozens of them um, join us. Uh, you know, his his whole sort of belief system around food is different than ours, and, and I'm looking forward to learning that. Ours is very European, very structured, very historical, very colonist, very, you know all the things and that's not my fault because that's what I was sort of you know brought up in but now it's my job as an adult to expand and to learn from chefs like Jared and I I can't wait okay I want to say how awesome it is to have Terry David Mulligan here he's just he's always putting himself in the spots doing all the work and uh, Terry I'm I'm incredibly impressed and honored to call you a friend so thank you so much how's your wine what's it called again it's called Q&A. Q&A, and it's with uh, that famous guy from 90210? Uh, Jason Priestley. Jason Priestley. We need to do an event with a Q&A in the Okanagan. What, co- what kind of an event? What do we do? Uh, well, f- uh, uh, an event with a couple of uh, loudmouths who <laughs> made a wine who uh, want to come to the Naramata Inn and do something kind of fun. Like you were part of that story. You were, you were driving the boat. I was, absolutely. I love the fact that, uh, that I'm still a part of it. I can't wait to see Jay, and we'd love to have you back. How's our Kate? She's incredible, yeah. She's incredible. No one knows this, but I met my wife of 14 years on your porch in Naramata when you used to live there. We yeah. miss you dearly. Thank you, Ned Bell. Uh, have a good uh, speech and stuff, and, and just keep working. Say hi to Meg. Thank you, bud. Okay. This is Tasting Room Radio. Jared Williams, indigenous food chef, award-winning writer, storyteller. Kwasta in Ahan. Kwasta in Ahan. Thank you. Jared, uh, welcome uh, to uh, Tasting Room Radio and um, and Central Sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, I'm actually really happy to be here. Where's home for you? Uh, the uh, McCouchin uh, Upham Valley. Ah, yeah. well, wonderful. And it's a beautiful valley. Oh, it is. goes a long way. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, yeah. Chef first? Uh, my, uh, my father uh, first is probably it. Father comes first. Well, yeah. I think for all of us. You've come to this event... Uh, to represent yourself, but yeah. also um, indigenous farming? Um, foods, yeah. You know, the whole um, traditional uh, uh, food uh, mm. system, yeah. Okay. How long have you been involved in it? And right now, here 2022, how's it doing? Um, I've been um, working with our um, foods as long as I can um, remember. So that's probably almost um, 39 years now. <laughs> and uh, um, 
It's not as um, well as it used to be when I was um, <laughs> younger, that's for sure. Are younger chefs, are younger indigenous teenagers, for example, are they interested in, do you want to get them interested? Is that the key? That's exactly right. No, they're, uh, it's, it's really hard as a young Aboriginal um, a chef because everything's really um, designed around the um, Western uh, um, food system. And so, you know, it's really hard to be able to say that, um, you know, um, what they learn um, when they're young will actually be um, transferable, um, right? What do you want to say to this room? I'm sure you've thought about it. Sure, just that uh, um, what we choose to eat um, changes um, the rest of the um, world around us. And if um, we eat out of the um, Aboriginal uh, food world, then um, we uh, um, support you know that old system. Yeah. Is it changing as well? I mean, the, the foods that Aboriginals are eating? Yeah, well, it's just there's not as um, high of a, um, a volume and they're not yeah. as uh, um, accessible, you know, like as they used to be. Are you seeing its influence in menus or the way that chefs are cooking? Yes, there, you know, there's this um, a desire to um, try the um, West Coast um, uh, flair. Yeah. It's just that, you know, there there's not always the um, accessibility of... Um, um, ingredients, yeah. Do you talk to those young chefs in your own language? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I do. I see you, I see Yeah, oh yeah, all of it, 100%. Damn, man. That's, see, right. that's, that's the key. Yeah. That's the is. key. It is. You know, it's all really um, <laughs> um, one thing, you know, um, when we use our um, foods, we also use our um, language because, you know, the food actually opens up a whole window, you know, like and, on who we are. And a dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And a dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere out there now, Jared, somewhere out there now, there is a, an indigenous <laughs> family and there's a kid sitting there listening and has come across this attractive because you're on the show and we've taken shots of you and stuff. Speak to him or her or them in your own language about what they can do. Um, it's the only way to go. <laughs> Thank you, man. Go for sure, for sure. Awesome. There we go. Have a good day. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will. You too. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery on the Naramata bench. Here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales, on the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots. And my favorite... The 2019 Founders Block, Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. Lana Popham is the Minister of Agriculture and Food. This is her event. She's the name at the top of the list. Minister, this is the third year. When you started in year one, what was the objective and what is it now? So I dreamt of this event when I was farming, well before I was in politics. 
My farming business plan included making sure that I had access to the restaurant industry to sell my goods. I worked with a women's co-op there called Sanitary Organics, which is still alive and well and amazing. And their business plan is the restaurant industry as well as farmers markets. But the restaurant industry on the South Island here is very supportive of our local farmers. And so it seemed to me that we should bring this around the province once it became minister. So when I sat down, when I first became appointed and they said, what do you want to accomplish? I was like, well, first off, we need to have a big conference called Every Chef Needs a Farmer, Every Farmer Needs a Chef. And the ministry hadn't really taken that approach before. And so it was new to them. But after I kind of, you know, explained the vision and then cheerleaded it right through till our first one, which was in 2018, everyone in the ministry could see why it was so important. And so that's how it began. And we started off with a provincial conference. Uh, we did that twice. And, now, and from that, we learned that regional events like this one are probably going to be easier for chefs to attend and business people to attend. So here we are at our first regional conference, and I couldn't be happier. When you were pitching that, I would imagine that whoever was in the room with you, you were the only farmer. And, and, there's, and, and that, that dialogue, farmers talking to people who drive by farms and never even think about those farms, yeah. if you can get them to think about farmers and farming, that's the first big step. It's very true. And so I had to figure out how to translate my experience as a farmer into a provincial ministry. And the story I remember telling is that I used to have a giant fig tree on my farm. And figs come all at once. And if you don't attend to them in the summer, you'll probably know they become like wasp condos. So you got to move them out. And they're also quite a coveted product, fresh figs. And so I remember picking trays of them, putting them into egg cartons, and taking them down to Zambri's, which is a very, very well-known restaurant in Victoria, going to the back door and saying, hey, do you want some fresh figs? And Peter Zambri, the owner, was like, absolutely. You were foraging foraging exactly so that that developed into a bit of a, a small contract where I would bring vegetables to his restaurant and and really that that was a key to get me through the times when you know people weren't coming to my farm stand or I didn't have other markets. Lana Popham Minister of Agriculture and Food well how is this year shaping up? You've... You know it's been a really rough year for agriculture in many ways and I'd say that consumers are so on board now that we're hearing reports that domestic sales are up significantly. And so British Columbians are getting behind their farmers and that's translating to more cash in the pockets of farmers. It's also encouraging them to up their production and get more out there because consumers are gonna buy it. Lana Popham is the Minister of Agriculture and Food. How do you get the big stores, the chains, to pay attention? We have Bybee, so Bybee C is a major, pro, a major program in our ministry. And we started out making partnerships with retailers. And in fact, tomorrow, we're going to launch our partnership with Save On Foods at eight o'clock in the morning. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, so um, we've, got, we've got Safeway as a partner, Thrifties as a partner. So they are also embracing it because their consumer base is asking for more local. And so we're able to support them with some marketing materials and signage for their shelves. And um, it's, becoming, it's becoming quite a success.
Are you speaking on behalf of the farm gates, all the small stands that we see at the, at the driveways of the entrance to farms? We, throughout our ministry, we have programs for small, medium, and large-scale farming. Um, and I think that we've probably, uh, we've, we've supported them equally. And so um, we ha don't hear any complaints from a particular sector. We, they know that we've got their back. What do you want to say to this group here? You've been thinking about it. What do you want to say? Well, first off, I, I know how important time is to chefs and restaurants. It's a tough business. The fact that they've come here today, that says a lot. So, and same with the farmers. They're winding down a really rough season. Uh, they're exhausted, yet they're still going to be here. So I, I always start off by just saying thanks. Thanks for taking part. But also, just uh, I couldn't imagine the fact that this kind of event would be embraced by the larger community and the success is showing so it's just it's amazing and finally let's talk to the people who actually make a difference the people who actually put out their money uh, to buy uh, their food for their families and themselves what do you want to say to them so this wouldn't work if we didn't have customers supporting bc restaurants bc farmers our whole food system and they've really made an effort to do that and so as we see um, food prices uh, increasing and, and really hard decisions being made about what you're purchasing. I think consumers are starting to understand when you purchase a BC product, it helps our province out a lot. So again, I just want to say thanks. Does your heart speed, speed up come harvest time? Oh my gosh, I'm always going to be a farmer at heart. And the worst, I tell you, the, the most disappointing thing about my five years as Minister of Agriculture and Food is that I have clean fingernails. <laughs> but good boots. That's right, absolutely. Thank you, Minister. Thank you. Lana Popham is the Minister of Agriculture and Food. We're at Church and State Wine in Central Saanich, and it's the third annual Every Chef Needs a Farmer networking event. This is Tasting Room Radio. Ian Tosselson, President and CEO of BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. It's a pretty fancy-schmancy uh, title. What does it mean? Well, Terry, I think what it means, particularly after the pandemic, is that we're, we are a resource and we just take care of industry. So anything industry needs, we're here for them. It just turned out that the pandemic, they really needed us a lot. And uh, the organization was the guiding light to sort of help restaurants navigate through all that uncertainty. And, uh, and it worked. It worked because, as you know, it's very difficult to get restaurants with speaking with one voice. But the pandemic brought everybody together, yeah. brought government, industry, media, guests of restaurants. A, shared, a shared experience. Shared experience. And how dark did it get? Um, it got really dark. I, I remember the very first call I got was from a restaurant owner in Kelowna who was in tears. He said, I don't know what's going to happen, but all I care about is the welfare of my staff. And I thought, that's worth fighting for. We lost probably, I estimate, about 15% of the industry. So 15,000 restaurants we had before the pandemic and 15 billion in sales. And that's dropped to about 13,000 restaurants and about $13 billion in sales. Was the staffing thing looming or did it, did it kick in? The staffing uh, problem was there, uh, particularly in kitchens. It always has been because of demographics. People are retiring. People uh, during the pandemic, however, well, they left the industry. And we were closed, Terry. Um, the first time was on, was in March of 2020, and it was supposed to be three weeks for a circuit breaker, turned into 60 days, and then we were closed again in March of 2021 for 57 days. So that's a total of you know 127 days, 
but we were closed the least number of days of any restaurant industry in all of North America, which I think says a lot about the industry. Ian Tossenson, President and CEO of BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. What do you want to tell the room today? Got to work together, especially when it comes to local. I mean, we showed we could work together with the pandemic. It's critical now that we work together for the local economy, especially in inflationary and uncertainty and to continue that because we have a tendency to sort of go through the crisis, solve it, and then go back to our ways. We've got to stay together. Government, consumer, media, all of us. Ian Tosteson, President and CEO of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. What do you want to tell the farmer? Keep growing because it makes a big difference because that added value in talking to restaurant groups, they say, you know what, I can tell a story. I can serve local yeah, yeah. food and tell a story. Yeah, you can. I'm not susceptible to the U.S. dollar fluctuations. And the incremental effects of the economy are amazing. And I know where my food's coming from. And you know it's food tastes better, more nutritious. Especially if the wine is grown in the same soil. That's true, yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, um, and, and the chefs, are they buying into Buy BC? 100%. Yeah. I know some kitchens can't because they're, they're controlled from somewhere else. Well, there's always a seasonality, and, um, but you know, I think that you know, more and more now when people can buy local, they will. I think that's, you know, and what we want everybody to think is buy local first. Like think about for local first before you do anything. And then if you can't cover it, then fine, but go, go local first. Ian Tosteson, President and CEO of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. Who are you looking forward to? Have you seen the list of speakers? Yeah. Who's going to be the troublemaker here? Who's going to... I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. These are all champions of industry. and um, But I think the guy that's really interesting is uh, always is Ned Bell. Yeah. I think Ned's amazing. He's his own guy, he, he, you know, but he's so passionate about local. He is CP. a walking Order of Canada recipient. That's he, what he is. He totally is. He totally, totally. is. Totally. And yeah. I'm, I'll put his name up there with anybody. I'm like, he's just doing it. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's unrelenting, yeah. which is great. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Terry. Ian Tosteson, President and CEO of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Moon Cursor in Asayas. Here's their winter white wine pick. Yes, a winter white. The 2021 Rue Saint-Marsan, awarded 93 points by John Schreiner. A classic Rhone Valley combination of Rue Saint and Marsan, floral and citrus notes, a kiss of oak, spice, baked apple, toasty brioche notes in the mouth, a lovely white wine to sip on while curled up in a cozy couch with a blanket. The Marsan Roussan, now available for limited time in BC liquor stores in their Made in BC feature. You can find all the details at mooncursor.com. Uh, on my list, it says Rob Belcham. Robert. I prefer Robert. It says Rob. I know. I prefer Robert. It's Rob Belcham, uh, Chef's Table Society, chef and owner of Popina. Uh, Robert, uh, first of all, how are you? It's been years. It has been too long, Terry. Last time I think I saw you was at uh, Spot Farm Fest and like four or five years ago, I think. Are you still chefing? I still have a restaurant on Granville Island, actually, called Popina, and I'm still working at... But I mean, uh, are you in there? Well, I'm in there a couple times. I'm not on the stoves. Terry, I'm old, like, I'm dirt. I'm old like dirt now. (laughs) I'm not, like, on the stoves anymore. But isn't there a part of you that wants to get in there and throw food around? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My favorite thing about being a chef was always teaching young cooks how to cook and how to, you know, walk in a restaurant, how to be a how to be a chef one day. That's my favorite thing to do, and I still get to do that, so it's, it's great. Uh, how was uh, 
how was life at Papina for the last couple of years? It's been, uh, COVID killed everything. Like COVID killed all the tourists. It, it, it was bad. But this summer was great. It went back to normal, or what it was pre-COVID. So we have no complaints. We, um, we are closed for this winter, which is great. It allows us to regroup and, and uh, save a little bit of money. And we'll be, we'll be opening up again in March. So. Now, uh, the Chefs Collective, uh, uh, tell me about that organization. So the Chef's Table Society of BC has been around for 15, 16 years, something yeah. like that. Our whole mandate is to bring chefs together and try to make our industry better. So we're doing lots of things to make that happen, whether it be events, um, socials. We, were, we did a, a lot of uh, outreach work during COVID to try to keep people going and try to keep the momentum going for the industry because it was so difficult in the restaurant business. We did a lot of things like you know book clubs and things like that. We just finished uh, one of the one of the biggest events that we've ever done called Cooks Camp that happened in September up at North Arm Farm in Pemberton, which was amazing—a two-day event that brought 200 chefs and cooks from around the province together. It was fantastic. I was in another province. I'd have been there next in year in a heartbeat. Well, no, I drive by it all the time. Right. Uh, let me give you a music analogy, Robert. Um, Barney Bentall is on the road right now uh, with um, the Caribou Express. And that's like nine or 10 or 11 d different singers and songwriters and players right. all on the same stage. I said, what's that like rounding them up? He said, it's like a goat rodeo. <laughs> so what's it like? Because all of those restaurants, all those chefs, they're, yes, they're chefs and they're part of a group, but they're also competitors for our dollar. Yep. What's it like rounding them up and getting them well, to agree on things? Goat rodeo is a great analogy. <laughs> I, I like herding cats is what we always yeah. say. It's difficult, but everybody understands what we're trying to do. They all see the struggles of all the other different restaurants. They all have struggles themselves, so we're, they understand and uh, they empathize with other people and they, they, they want to support. And uh, all the chefs part of this, who are part of the society do that. They support in a big way. What do you want to tell the farmers in the room? That we're here for you. That we, you know, the best food comes from down the road and that we're here to support you. And we, how we can you know, uh, shorten that gap between chef and farmer any way we can as the Chef's Table Society, we're going to do that. And finally, the, the whole idea behind Buy BC, of course, is to get everybody to think local, buy local. That's right. Um, how tough was that sell to the chefs and the kitchens? You know, the way I've always looked at it, and I've been a chef for 28 years now, is, the, is to look at it from what tastes the best. If you look at it from that perspective, just by that little thing, yeah. everything that comes from down the road tastes better than something that came from California or Florida or wherever. So if you just look at it like that, it's a simple way to get into the kitchen. Then you have all the other things on top of that. You know, you have food security, you have you know, what's best for the community, you have what's best for the economic development of the community. You have many layers on top of that. But start with just the flavor, super easy to get behind. Uh, are you gonna yell into the microphone? Are you gonna make noise? I'm gonna try to. I look forward to it. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. Thank you, Robert. Always a pleasure, Terry. Robert Belcher. What's your name? Luis Sanchez, Ultimate Microgreens. Okay, now, first of all, you're in Saanich, right? Yeah, we're in North Saanich. What are you growing? Uh, microgreens. Uh, we grow pea shoots, melon, nasturtium, radish, faba, you name it. Any vegetable you can think about, we can turn into a microgreen. How, when did microgreens become a thing? For us, about six years ago. And what kicked it in gear? 
We visited an old friend who had severe health problems and he used to do this for himself and he was moving out of the country and he sold us his, he sold us his seeds and that's how it started from us. Tell me about the value of those small greens. They're, value, they're very valuable for us in the nutrition profile as well and uh, in the flavors they're very compact as well. Has your family always been farmers? Uh, not like this. I do have family in Mexico. They do different kind of farming, but I'm the first one up here and I started my own little thing. What did they think of your microgreens? They didn't know what it was at first. But when do, they, do they, could you get them to grow? Uh, my mom has asked me, can you teach me? And I was like, I could definitely could, but I don't think you want to do this, Mom. Mom, you might want to come yeah, to Santa. she does come often. She comes about once a year from Mexico. Does she like it? She does love it, yeah. Um, how do we get a hold of you? What's your website? Uh, UltimateMicrogreens.ca. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, Luis. Luis Sanchez, Ultimate Microgreens, Sandage. You're listening to Tasting Room Radio. Tell them who you are. Uh, I'm Micah Verbrugge with Canadian Seafood Processing and Effingham Oysters. Yeah, we're an aquaculturist, so we have uh, five farm sites on the west side of Vancouver Island in Barclay Sound, and we farm oysters and clams. Now, some of these farmers went through, well, went through COVID, and some went through a great dip in sales. What happened to your business? Well, we had a 100% dip in sales. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, when all the restaurants were shut down, um, we, uh, we, we probably had $20,000 worth of product in the system that was thrown away. And now? And now, um, what would you say? Victoria Lick. We're seeing a, a boost in sales. The perspective has changed. People saw the importance of buying from local producers after COVID, so I feel like that has helped us. And um, we've got some loyal customers, so the sales are up from where we were a couple of years ago, which is great. How did the message get to them to buy local? Did they just, or did they reason that out? I think a lot of it was probably the shipping costs. I mean, all of our logistics went up, right, during COVID, and we couldn't get things from other places. So it's like, well, why don't we get it local? Because it's available, you know, and we know where it comes from. And how are things in 2022? Uh, it's good, yeah. 2022 has been a great year for us. We um, A couple years ago, right at the beginning of COVID, we got a processing plant in Port Alberni, which is part of the BC Food Hub Network um, at the Dock Plus. So now we've expanded. We don't only do our oysters, but we've moved into fin fish and spot prawns and other services. So that has helped us to like have redundant sources of income and, and stay above through a pandemic. How do people discover you? You got a website? Uh, we have a website. Uh, we are shop.eatcanadianseafood.com. So it's an online store. You can buy products. We do deliveries through the island and on the mainland and also to wholesale as well. So will you come to Mill Bay? Yeah. Thank you both. Victoria Lake, Mike Verbrucki, is the manager of Canadian Seafood Processing. Now that I botched that, I'll move on. Thank you. <laughs> oh, here's somebody I want to talk to. Sean Dirksen, the owner of North Star Organics. There's a bit of a chat going on uh, this afternoon. Selling food to our city. Small-scale diversified organic farming in the Capital Regional District. Small-scale diversified organic farming sells their food to cities. And I found the guy that's leading the charge, Sean Dirksen, the owner of North Star Organics. I'm looking at this uh, selling food to our city, small-scale diversified organic farming in the Capital Regional District, which is a fancy-schmancy way of saying 
selling food to our own city. Sean Durkison is the owner of North Star Organics. It's actually an amazingly fast-moving, high-pressure job, and we do it really well as a team. So. so what do you want to tell the room today? We really wanted to just give an example of how we're doing it, how we're selling entirely locally, just within the CRD, um, which, is, which is not new for, for all the smaller farmers here, but it is a little, of, little bit of a new model in terms of uh, farming in, in British Columbia. Um, and just how we do it. And it's, it's about our relationships with our, with, with our customers. It's all direct to, to customer sales, either with chefs or with, with, uh, with, with the public, um, and just how we make that work. So for a while it was just a dream. When did it start to get serious? Well, I think this model has started up for... There's, there's, there's some farms that have done it longer than we have. I think it's as, as, a, as a model of selling direct to the public, I think as farmers' markets have improved as like it's become much more common for, for, for chefs to sell to, to want to buy local food and to advertise that on their menus, it's become more and more viable as, as a business model and I think more and more of us are moving to it. And then we the customer, are we, I know we're getting the same message, I wonder if it's getting through. I think so. Especially during the pandemic, I think we had a huge uptake in the, in the number of individuals who were interested in buying direct from the farm. They were part of it was wanting to know that there wasn't a huge chain of possession of, of, of their produce. They wanted to know that, that, that there was like as few people touching it and dealing with it as possible. And I think it's also an interest in keeping the local economy, economy going by knowing that it's not a whole bunch of extra people involved. This, that the food is being grown locally, sold locally, the money's staying within the local economy. Do you guys talk about sustainability and regeneration, regenerative farming? Well, we're certified organic, yeah. our farm is, so that's kind of the cornerstone of a lot of our farming practices. So, yeah, we definitely do. Okay. Sean Dirksen, the very popular owner of North Store Organics. Has farming recovered from COVID in terms of sales? I realize that the that the, the farm carries on. Yeah. The wine, the, the vineyards carry on. But it still. does. It does. I, I, I think most farmers uh, during COVID, after some initial fear, and especially when the chefs had to had to close down their kitchens, we all were worried. In the end, for some reasons that I'm going to describe in this talk, in the end, we were, for the most part, I think, able to recover and to sell our food. Good on you. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Thank you, man. Sean Dirksen, the very popular owner of North Star Organics. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Moon Cursor in Asayas. Here's their winter white wine pick. Yes, a winter white. The 2021 Rue Saint-Marsan, awarded 93 points by John Schreiner. A classic Rhone Valley combination of Rue Saint and Marsan, floral and citrus notes, a kiss of oak, spice, baked apple, toasty brioche notes in the mouth, a lovely white wine to sip on while curled up in a cozy couch with a blanket. The Marsan Roussin, now available for limited time in BC liquor stores in their Made in BC feature. You can find all the details at mooncursor.com.